Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and help get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Gerald. I'm... Uh... Rubbing a little dirt in it. Got my spikes on. Uh, got my Louisville Slugger under uh, under the bed. I'm I'm ready for for some baseball. I mean, obviously we have softball leading the way, but uh, it's gonna be a good year for all the diamond related sports. And I and I say that obviously to mean baseball, softball, and the bagmen in football. Just kidding. We're talking the uh, the the uh, bat and ball sports today, mainly baseball. Gee, you good? Yeah, I'm a little upset you didn't jump on the co-host because you had that hat going on. Ah, uh, very very milady of you, but it's fine. I missed fine. that. I thought you were going okay. with the Makana host there. I okay, ah, that's on me. No. That's on me. That'd have been a callback. That'd have been a callback to the Tuesday show, which would have been fine. But no, I was going. I was going for the tip your hat, milady kind of situation. No, so mm. we are knocking on the door of baseball season, so we've got to do. A baseball preview for you. Now, Kyle is the expert. Texas baseball is something that's near and dear to Kyle's heart. In true Longhorn Republic fashion, Kyle's going to lead the conversation as we talk about baseball. And I will try to sound as intelligent as I possibly can when he gives me an opportunity to talk. Oh, Gerald, there will be there will be opportunities. And I have a little surprise for you at the end that I think is perfectly built to, uh, to showcase your unique set of skills. So, listeners, uh, make sure you stick around to the end of the podcast because it's going to get good. Um... But we'll start first when we talk Texas baseball with the not good. And I think the not good is the where are we coming from? How eagerly is Coach Pierce waiting to get into the 2020 season as to officially put the 2019 season in the rearview mirror? Because ultimately, um, the last pieces of baseball that we got to witness from the Longhorns were just bad. And and I don't mean to be a downer, folks, but I am going to give a a, a healthy dose of of realism to say – 
there is some proving to do. I think this team is equipped to do it, but there is some proving to do. And, and the reason that is they're looking for that redemption this year is because they missed not only the NCAA tournament, <laughs> Gerald, they missed the Big 12 tournament because of the odd number of teams that play baseball in this conference. One team every year misses the baseball uh, Big 12 tournament in, in, in its history, I guess, since it's been that hasn't been a long time. That has obviously never been Texas. But last year, finishing at a, a 500 overall record at 27 and 27, Texas sat home and watched the other Big 12 teams play the first tournament before the big tournament. That is where Texas fans expect the Longhorns to be. Um, Gerald, are you, are, are you, is your heart healed? Are you ready to move into the, the the new year, Kyle? I don't I don't know if I my heart is healed, but I'm definitely ready to to move on past what that was. Just such a weird year. Like 2019 was such a weird stinking year. Like this, the same Texas team that missed the Big 12 tournament swept LSU at home, a team that was ex- expected to be a national championship contender. And I believe they made it into the NCAA tournament, made a pretty decent yeah, run. Yeah. Um, I think like, they finished number that, 11 preseason. Number yeah. one, I think they finished number 11. They were a good team. Yeah. Like that's like, that's how weird that year was is like, there was a lot of like weird bounces, I guess. I don't know if that's a, the right metaphor, but it just seemed like there were days where, I think the story of last season was like if the bats were on, the pitching wasn't, and if the pitching was on, the bats weren't. And so I'm excited to see a team that hopefully is going to get uh, some big, some some key role players back. They're losing quite a bit, uh, predominantly in the uh, in the bullpen. But I think Texas is in a position where they've got a lot of talent returning, and they couldn't. Finally, I think put together a decent run uh, and get back to where they belong. Yeah, and 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 it's I mean just to, to not put too fine a point on it, but you think about last year and a team that you know lost its its best player, its heart, its soul, the guy you were banking on, you're expecting to see him take the step up. Um, they're really they're all American. They're shortstop um, in the preseason to a scooter injury their senior catcher who will be back this year dj Petrinsky, um had a torn labrum that kept him out of you know all but a handful of games basically losing the spine the middle the shortstop and catcher the defensive backbone and they had a terrible defensive year then on top of that you had just you know people forced in uh, earlier than they should have because of that and other injuries um you know uh, just terrible luck you think about a uh, a rained out Big 12 game against Baylor that, you know, they were up 6-0 in the first inning. That doesn't happen. Maybe that's a momentum changing win helps, you know, uh, right a really wrong skid. Um, and, and then Big 12 just being better than anyone thought it was going to be last year. Um, I mean, it, it's it's easy to forget, but they had one of the toughest out-of-conference schedules in the country. And after that sweep uh, of LSU, they were ranked number four in the country, they beat them twenty-three to eleven. They they were number four uh, over the course of the series. They were number four in the country, and everyone seemed like, all right, after you know a, a College World Series last year, where this team has moved on from Clemens, and they're they're ready just to to you know improve and keep going up. Um, you know, they they were a pretty decent, you know, not even terrible. Uh, I think it was twenty-three and and or twenty-four and fifteen uh, before going three and twelve to finish. So I mean. I don't want to belabor that, but just think about that. That, that stat I just gave you, 3-12, the last 15 games of Texas baseball, 
that we watched. So that I will leave it there unless you want to add anything else on the on the doldrums before I get into the good stuff. Uh, no, I'm just glad it's over. That's right. Um, so it started, right? They, they, there was some roster turnover, but there was also some coaching shakeup. So um, the biggest news of the offseason was Troy Tulowitzki, who started the season the Yankees roster, retired, and then, shocking everyone in the sports world, came to join uh, the UT staff. Um, also, by the way, joining him um, is, is Houston Street. Let's not forget those two guys are both um, on, the, uh, on the coaching roster, which is Utterly fantastic um, street as the student assistant and uh, Tulowitzki is the assistant volunteer assistant is how it's how it's uh, labeled the, the position held previously by Phil Haig. But so what that saw was Sean Allen, who was the batting coach. And if you were the hitting coach on last year's team, you would be happy to move jobs, moved over to the pitching role that Phil Haig had held and let Tro- uh, Troy Tulowitzki kind of step in there and then. I, that is a name in and of itself that's amazing. It's an awesome thing. Um, but when you look, and we talked about it then, at the the exact glaring need with an All-American shortstop going out and then just having one of the worst defenses in the Big 12, being able unable to get um, really solid hitting um, outside of one player uh, over 300 last year, it, it is it is an instant area of need. And I, I think Coach Pierce, for the people who are naysayers, you might want to turn this podcast off because that's not what you're going to get. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's a blip. And I think when you talk about Pierce's legacy, it's going to be how he recovered from that crazy year. Craig Way said it. It was the weirdest season he's ever seen where every time you plugged a hole, uh, another one popped out. And, and you know, you just had to try to plug that. It was a tough coaching job. But I think with the new coaches on staff, I think Coach Pierce has a chance. Um to, to really get some things some things going so um i i will i will pause there on the coaches because there's some players that i really want to dive into but i think when you talk about this team and you think about an augie garrido led team a cult of personality around the coach a lot of people check in to see who's coaching the longhorns baseball team I think part of the reason why Texas is recruited really well, we're not going to talk a ton about recruiting today, but I think things like that, bringing in those, those, uh, those big names are part of the reason why Texas is pulling in number one recruiting classes mm-hmm. uh, on the diamond. He's like, Oh, Troy Chalewitzki. Yeah, I know that guy. I was watching that guy on, on Sunday night baseball a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Texas sounds great. And so, I mean, just like we talk about in football, like you have to have talent on campus to develop them. And when Texas has got guys that are, Again, some of them will never end up on campus, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how baseball recruiting works. But you cast a wide enough net and you get enough talented guys, a big chunk of them are going to stick. And so I'm excited to see uh, what the kind of what the the coaching staff and the additions of these these major league guys does for this unit. Well, and I mean, just so we won't go into it because I don't want to baseball recruiting is a tough game unless you're really following it. There's a lot of moving parts like Gerald. So with people going pro and everything to that, but just to, to, to use very simple metrics, they went from number 10, which is still great the year before to number one with the class that are high school seniors this year. Um, and if, if any of those, you know, really big names they got in that number one class choose not to go pro and come to UT, that could be fantastic for the horns. But nonetheless, I want to move in to first the players that aren't going to be here. And then we'll look at who's coming back and who the new faces uh, themselves are. But first I want to start, you look at that team last year. There were uh, a couple players who will be missed uh, who moved on Ryan Reynolds, uh, the starter pretty much at the hot corner all year. Um, you know, heart of a champion really was a captain for that team in a tough year. Um, you know, did, did a, did a valiant effort on a tough, uh, tough position. Uh, Mason Hibbler, uh, will, will, uh, not be suiting up this year as well as my boy. You know, I love him. 
He's in the bigs, or he's actually in the minors now, but uh, on his way to the bigs, Mateo uh, Bochi Ball, obviously uh, heading on, and then Blair Henley, uh, who is in the Astros organization. So a couple guys who won't be there, a couple names that we like talking about and had some, you know, all said pretty decent uh, time on the 40 acres even given last year. Yeah, I, I think Reynolds is the guy who's like that culture guy. You're going to hate to lose him. There's a lot of uh, talent and production returning, but it's – especially with a baseball team that's looking to rebound, losing a guy like Reynolds, and I think he's going to leave a really big hole from a from a heart, from a culture standpoint. I think some of that is often overstated, but when you're a team that's trying to figure out uh, how to rebound from one of the – I mean, it's it's tough to say one of the uglier seasons in recent memory. It's hard to lose guys that are, that are stalwarts like that. Yeah, for sure, and, and, and it'll be very interesting to see on a still relatively young team who steps up uh, into that role. There are there are some returning guys, and, and I think that's right where we jump in. So when you look at the key returning players, um, I, I'm going to start and kind of go through hitting first because I'd like to see uh, what we have coming back there and then and then pitching. Um, but I, I'm going to start because he earned it at the top with Eric Kennedy, um, who last year batted 310 and, as I mentioned, was uh, the only Longhorn to hit above 300, which is not a stat you want. Uh, he also had two homers, 28 RBIs, and nine stolen bases. One of three sophomores named to the preseason All-Big 12. So he likely holds down one of the outfield spots. Um, and then uh, two returners in the outfield who will fight. You know, I don't know that they automatically get the other two, but will fight probably for two or three people who will play there, at least in the beginning of the season. You have Duke Ellis, uh, a guy who's been around for a while, um, a guy who's had some memorable plays for the Longhorns. Consistency going to be his thing, but uh, Duke Ellis brings 17 stolen bases from last year, some speed at the top of the order. Um, and then Austin Todd, uh, who hit you know 256 with 38 RBIs uh, last year and seven stolen bases, does a little bit of everything. Um, but again, I, I think led the team in RBIs, a good uh, bat to have having the rotation because he knows how to bring players around. So not terrible. Again, those batting averages lower than you'd like from your outfielders. Um, but it does look like it could be, you know, it could be a position of strength, especially if any of them make the step up. Um, then looking towards the infield, what we have returning, and and uh, that's going to be a little bit more questionable. Um, obviously, Zach Zubia is the name here. If he plays first base there's a good chance he could be our dh um but uh he has uh he has potential now that hopefully there will be a little bit more bats around him that uh that he gets pitched to a little bit more he had a ton of walks last year but only had five homers did have 35 rbis but you'd like to see a little bit more from your premier power hitter so hopefully if we can surround him with a couple more bats he gets a couple more pitches that he can take a swing at um i, I think you know, like i said whether he plays first base uh, or he plays in the dh spot his bat will be in the order almost every day the coaches coaches liked him uh what, what he did in the offseason the offensive production, I think, is really, um, for me, the fielding last year left a lot to be desired, but I think Zuby is a guy who has a high, high, high ceiling. Uh, he kind of went to craft his body in the offseason, uh, dropped to 10% body fat, which uh, I'm looking to drop 10% body fat, so that would be <laughs> that'd be great for me. Uh, but he, he's kind of reshaped his body, and, and with the, the coaching staff changes, he's going to keep coming back to it. I'm really interested to see what what the bats can do. Cause that was, again, one of the big questions we had week in and week out. I remember saying it and I got tired of saying it. Well, 
the pitching was there, but the bats just didn't show up. Well, the pitching was there, but the bats didn't show up. Well, the, like, and so I felt like a broken record in a lot of, a lot of ways. And so I think having a guy like Troy Tulowitzki on the, on the team who was a two time silver slugger uh, in the, in the big leagues, like he knows a thing or two, he's going to be able to kind of coach these guys up. Now he also had like what a nine eighty three fielding percentage. So he's a guy who can coach uh, a lot of these, these, uh, these infielders up. So I'm really excited to see if having a voice like that in the locker room can help these young guys who have such, such incredible ceilings, but just haven't been able to really put it all together. Yeah, and Texas has struggled developing hitters who, who take a lot of steps up. You see a Cody Cummins, but he just kind of came in and was ready to go. So it'd be curious if Tulowitzki can kind of bring that. And that's not not just a knock on Pierce. That's been for a couple years, it seems. Either they got it from the day they step on, or or they never quite get to their potential, it seemed like. So I'd love to see Zubia be the case for that. Also uh, returning, I don't know if he's going to have an automatic starting spot, but certainly will be uh, in the line. Lineup and in, in in at least in a you know off days or, or rotating in uh, or pinch hitting uh, spot is Lance Ford the other half of the presidential um, uh, combination Kennedy Ford last year Lance Ford played uh, second base should be his to lose but I'll talk in the new faces about some uh, about some freshmen who are going to push there but so Texas has something that f- for the year they had last year the reason that I think one of the singular reasons for hope uh, this year is they have something that not many teams in the, in the big 12 or really in the country, but certainly in the conference can say is that they have a absolutely lockdown. They know who their unanimous number one starter is. And I use that word unanimous because he was one of three, uh, only three unanimous selections to the preseason, all big 12 team, the only pitcher uh, amongst them. Um, And that's, that's Bryce elder. And now if you are a, um, if you're a, like a non-analytics advanced stats guy and you judge, you know, base if you're a fan of baseball in in 2020, that's probably not you, but if if you're just a guy who checks the box scores and and judges, Bryce Elder last year had more Big 12 pitcher of the week awards than wins, which is a tough stat to do. Um he he had only two wins but had a sub 3 ERA, which again is also tough to do, um, just didn't get the run support, never could push it over, pitched. I think he had nine quality starts last year and got two wins out of him. Is really kind of a travesty. Um, but I think it hopefully works to the Horns' favor that he's a a under-the-radar, hopefully for some teams, though I doubt it, uh, player who has the potential to come in and be a 10-game winner uh, this season. I mean, he pitched uh, 83 innings last year with 86 strikeouts. Just just really, truly looks like he could be um, the, the force of the Big 12 this year. He, he really could be uh, a chance to be the best pitcher uh, in the conference this year. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I think Bryce Elder is your one solid thing. We could talk about who we think might come in after that in the rotation, but I think the one thing we know is that we will see a lot of Elder the the first uh, the first night of of many series. I mean, it's it's almost unfair to a pitcher for them to put a sub three ERA and only manage two wins in six decisions like that is. And only come away with six decisions, or come away one, come away with only six decisions, and uh, two wins with with again a two nine three ERA. It's just, it just speaks more to the power of getting at least any sort of offensive production from your bats. And so, to me, Elder is going to be that linchpin. He's going to be the guy who gets you that opening win. And, and I think 
Texas is in good hands from that. There are some questions about, again, who's going to fill in behind him, but I'm really, really curious to see um, what, again, a unanimous all-conference player looks like. Yeah, and, and that's that's a great way to leave it because I think we can we can speculate a little. We'll see, and it, and it may not be the same in you know the the opening month of the season as it is towards the end of Big Twelve play. But I imagine Ty Madden, a guy who, who did go four and one uh, last year, pitched a lot um, out of the bullpen, but I think should did start some, but should uh, should probably most likely get the nod at the the number two uh, number two spot. This year, um, another guy who could be in that in that you know rotation I, I expect to be is Colby Kubitschek, who who really I think is the breakout candidate for the season. He could be the guy who starts as our third starter, and by the end is you know clearly a starter number two, right behind Elder, who I don't don't imagine he's going to pass. Who knows? But uh, a guy who the coaches were really high on. He stood out in the Cape Cod League, um, it, and and I think uh, Coach Pierce said put on twenty five good pounds of muscle. I like him talking about the the body weight. I mean, it, it leads into this, hey, Chris Alconti said he's going to get us an indoor and state-of-the-art facility for the baseball. So I'd like to see this, that, that Coach Pierce is talking about these dudes really shaping, honing their bodies and coming in stronger, better than ever. Um, another guy who who could factor in uh, is is Cole Quintanilla, who, who really has some stuff, man. He he pitched 33 innings last year with 44 strikeouts. They threw him out of the kind of closer spot. They that was the bane, I think, of that team's existence, if you recall, last year. Um, but but I, I I've heard and I, I've seen. I think there's a good chance that he moves into the starter role, which he may be more naturally suited for. Um, so it'll be a different kind of look. If you're not real familiar, the the way you pitch to start a game versus when you know you have one, maybe two max innings is is quite differently. But it does seem um, talking to to some folks there that that Cole has a has a maybe more suited uh, repertoire for the, for the starting rotation. So I'm curious to see him. Coy Cobb might get in there, a guy who um, has some stuff. We'll just see. The the guy who I'm most interested in this year, and I think could be the make or break in the 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 bullpen is Cam Fields. Now Cam Fields is a guy Gerald, you and I both know well. Um, was actually a great quarterback in high school. Um, was a two way player and a two way player um, in in baseball. He 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 both played the field and pitched. This off season, Coach Pierce made the decision that he was going to keep Fields only at pitching. Now you do lose his speed. He's a very fast player um, out on the base pass but um it's so far from what the coaches are saying it's really paid off he's been focused uh he's been better i mean he, he was a great pitcher for us and then he would just kind of he would lose it you would see him out on the mound all of a sudden he would lose it and it would sometimes take him a while a couple games even to get it back so if he can get that consistency and lock down the end of the bullpen then uh then that could be a nice back end to whichever group of starters as we just described him ends up on the mound I think there's a lot of questions in the pitching group, but um, I'm interested to see a young kid, Mason Bryant. He's he's a big boy. Like, I want to also want to see Mason Bryant play tight end, uh, but he's six five two thirty. He's a sophomore. He's he's seen as a bit of a project, but he's got a high uh, a high major league baseball upside. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what his development looks like. He's got to figure out how to find the strike zone, I think, a little bit. But I think he's a guy that um, when you get late into some of these games, and especially when you look at like the tournament, toward the end of the tournament, you're throwing out basically everybody but the kitchen sink. So I think he's a guy that, that you could see him uh, see him play or see him pitch a couple meaningful innings and hopefully get Texas over the hump. 
Yeah, I, I, I like that uh, that pick a lot. I think Mason Bryant's a really interesting guy. Um, he pitched last year, and, and, and again, is, is if he gets that consistency, could really be um, an interesting addition. I want to I move now to some new faces because there's quite a few, and, and, and you don't want to spend too long just looking at what you have back from a 500 season because I think – Yes, there will be improvement in all those guys we talked about and some chances for some steps up and some some healthy guys, but I do think there's some really exciting and interesting uh, new faces on on the 40 acres. And, the, and a guy who could instantly shake up that pitching rotation, and I'm not kidding, could by the end of the season be very much our number two starting pitcher, is Pete Hansen, a freshman who is a, believe this or not, folks, left-hander. Had two of those on the roster Call all Southpaw. <laughs> two of those on the roster all year last year, which was a little bit of a bane on the Texas's you know, you had left handers pitching just you could have if you were a left hander on campus who was in played on a, a decently competitive intramural team, you probably could have walked on. They were so desperate for left handed pitching last year. But Hansen's a six two, hundred and ninety pounder who who really uh, got people excited this fall. Um and in the UT Fall World series he he looked great. Um he he you know he he throws ninety pretty consistently with his fastball. Um and he he has a breaking ball that uh that that it's pretty tough. Uh, comes in about 80 and then throws a, a really nice change. So three really good out pitches. Um, and, and he looks like he could be a good arm this season and then be the guy next year uh, as a sophomore if, if he kind of tracks to his trajectory. And then another guy there uh, that's coming in new to Texas, but a uh, Juco transfer, Dawson Merriman, um, could feature really heavily in the rotation, touches 92 pretty consistently. And they say his curve may be the nastiest on the team. So just a really um a really interesting prospect and again i don't know who goes in the bullpen who comes out starting who, who gets the ball where but i think there's a lot of arms uh, hopefully from both sides uh left and right this year one guy in particular gerald who i want you to remember this name because we're going to be checking back in on him uh it's freshman andre duplantier um and and not just because his name is wonderful but he also throws 94 and I say that to say, if he can control his slider, he could definitely, definitely pitch on this team. But it's equally as likely that he is our starter at third base. Uh, see, arm strength. Um, he 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 is a an equally adept uh, two way player, and we've had some good ones of those in the past who who even did both um, while on the team throughout the season. So um, is a guy who I'll be curious to see where he starts the season and where he ends the season on the the pitching uh, or hitting side of the ball yeah and i i i'm just going to take the transition for you kyle all those guys should hopefully be throwing to dj patrinsky yeah that's that's a guy who um texas i think sorely sorely missed behind the plate last year uh missed i'm just gonna say basically all of um all of 2019 i think he played like 10 10 games basically after about a month he had a surgery and it, it ended his season uh, so he's a guy that you know we talked earlier about Texas needs some um, some continuity some older guys to help uh, kind of settle things in when you're creating a culture and Petrinsky redshirt senior been around for for a while so he's a guy that I think could definitely step in uh, step in and do that and I hope that he can stay healthy and hope that he's able to going to end his career on a high note behind the plate with all of these uh, these hot arms coming in. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you just heard me list out a lot of those pitchers. You, you, Elders is a junior, but almost the rest of them are sophomores or the old guys, tons of freshmen. Um, you know, it, it is great. It's it's If you watch the major leagues and you don't watch college, it may be a little bit, even though catcher is wildly important there, and I'm a former catcher, you know this if you listen to the podcast, it's it's almost incomparable to, to describe how important leadership at your catcher position is um, as these guys transition from the high school to the college game, these pitchers, um, and just what that can do for you. So I did put him in the new faces almost sarcastically because I think um, having him back is almost like, you know, you joke, you say it's like getting, you know, a whole new recruit. Um, it, it will do a lot. But just FYI, behind him, uh, freshman Silas Ardwin will, will get some playing time. Um, he's going to be a fantastic backup. He has a chance to be – I mean, a, a UT great. He, I, I, he might be the recruit, and then we have some really good ones. I'm going to talk about here in a second, but might be the recruit. And again, my bias as a former catcher showing might be the recruit I'm most excited about for his full career at UT. I really think he can be a a fantastic player uh, for for the Horns. Just a, I mean. A defensive catcher, like if you recall the Pudge Rodriguez days, I mean he looks that good for his age. So um, I'm I'm very excited for what he can do. Um, and some other new faces around the the diamond that I think are going to be fantastic. A guy who you've heard us talk about on this podcast. He's as famous for his uh, his catchphrase as he is his uh, I'll say his his hitting and fielding. Um, Trey Faltine is is very likely your day one starter as a true freshman at shortstop. Um, a, a guy who who coined the famous, you know, he was wanted, he was drafted, and they wanted him to go pro. He said, "If it ain't burned, it ain't turnt." I'm going to the Forty Acres, and we are really excited to watch this man. Um, but a guy who just, you know. He, he also was a two-way player focused just on the shortstop for the first time in his career, only uh, was a field player. Um, and I think from what coaches are saying, between that and working with, again, Troy Tulowitzki, all uh, offseason, they are really excited about how good he can be. Any, anybody that, that's memeable, I'm all down for. But I want to I wanna back backtrack to uh, Silas Arduin because you didn't mention that he was the first ever gold glove out of – your home state, Louisiana, Kyle. So, uh, first high school gold glover there. So I had to uh, mention that. But he co- he comes from good stock. His dad played 15 years uh, of professional baseball, five in the league. So I think it's he comes from uh, comes from good stock is the way to say it. So I think of these young guys, I think Faltine obviously is the guy that's going to step in and play. Um, anybody that that really has an opportunity to play in in the league and decides, you know what, I want to I want to put on those pinstripes. Those burnt orange pinstripes, not not those ones in 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 New York, but those ones down in Austin. I'm in your corner. That's right, and he's from uh, he's from Lake Charles, Louisiana. So right, you know, close enough to Texas that he's 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 kind of like me, can straddle pretty well, and he also probably knows Daryl's as the best po boys in America. But uh, that's a Lake Charles little tip for y'all. Um, there's another guy right after you talk about Trey Faulting and. and the probable shortstop job. There's another guy who could come and unseat a pretty good player. I mean, we, we talked about him in the returning starters in Lance Ford at second base, but coach has been really high on Brendan Dixon coming in um, and taking the, the, you know, second base spot potentially. And you have two freshmen up the middle, which again, you talk about, whoa, Texas had 
one of its worst defensive years last year, turned the least double plays in the Big 12. Are you really sure? Yeah, these kids are both really good. And, you know, think of them as a freshman and then as a sophomore after getting a couple years together. That They could turn that from being, you know, a, ooh, that's a risk, to that's the best spine in the, uh, in the Big 12. So really excited about Brennan Dixon. And then a guy who... Everyone on campus seems to be excited about Douglas Hodo um, could could find his way knocking, you know, multiple years experience guys. I mean, you got a senior in Duke Ellis. Um, you have like just just guys coming back who have played a lot of baseball um, in that outfield spot who he could be stepping in front of. And, and, and that makes me excited. Um I really think uh, there's a chance if Zubia plays first that Hodo, as a freshman, steps in and, and hits the DH spot just because they want to want to get him in there. And then the position that I'm I'm most curious about is our third base, um, just because there's uh, there's a couple names here who are interesting, um, and then there's there's one that I really want to talk about just from a we don't do bang the drums on our our Thursday show, but it almost feels like one. So I'll first start third base could be any combination of Sam Bertelson, Cam Williams, Sam Bertelson, not a new face. Sam pitched some, did play the field some. He's a good utility player, big boy as well. Uh, Cam Williams, who's a Juco uh, transfer, uh, and then Murphy Steely, uh, who's a a, uh, Juco transfer as well. And the reason I want to talk about this one is because of Murph. Um, So he is a Juco transfer from Orange Coast College. Um, and if, if that means anything to you, it's probably because you watched the news or you saw Coach Pierce talking. Um, Coach David Pierce's college roommate, um, Coach John Altabelli, was one of the players who sadly uh, passed away in the, the helicopter crash that took Kobe uh, and Gianna Bryant's life. So uh, Murphy transferred from playing under... Coach Altabelli last year to playing for his college roommate, Coach Pierce, this year. And uh, he, he got on campus in just this, this week, I believe, they announced it. Um, Will Swope was wearing the number 14. That was the number that Coach Altabelli wore. And uh, they stood up at a team meeting, and he said uh, he wanted to offer it to um, to Murphy Stelly to, to wear to honor coach Altabelli. So he'll be wearing number 14 this year in honor of his former coach. So if you see that 14, get on the field. Um, if you're like me, it'll be a little misty that you'll, uh, you'll, you'll notice him get out there, but uh, a kid I'll be rooting for, not just because he has a wonderful name, uh, but also a wonderful story and, and a good skill set. So could be your third baseman again, repli- uh, replacing, like you said, uh, a culture guy in Ryan Reynolds. Then I'm going to do it in the quick, uh, hitters, as as you know, um, as you would say in in the baseball parlance, Gerald. Um, so Big Twelve last year, as I mentioned, one of the best conferences in the country. Didn't necessarily ex- expect that. Five teams made the tournament. Three secured host sites just to show you they were pretty good. Texas Tech finished number five. Oklahoma State finished number eleven. West Virginia nineteen. Baylor just outside of it, first and others receiving votes. I guess you call it number 26. So a really good year last year. Three teams enter the year in the top 25, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and OU. Uh, three teams are in the others receiving votes, Texas, TCU, and Baylor. And West Virginia's a team uh, you won't catch me overruling and thinking they're out of it. I think Kansas State could be better uh, this year. I mean, there there is no easy game on the schedule as it looks, you know, looking into the Big 12 this year. So – I picked Texas to be somewhere in like the the fourth to fifth range, and I'd love to be surprised, but I think Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, um, 
OU, Baylor are all real good, and Texas probably. TCU is also a team that's going to be good this year. So um, it's going to be a fight again, but I think Texas gets a a bounce back. I think increasing plate productivity, getting a couple guys hitting over 300. Um, they didn't even hit 300 runs last year, 287 runs scored. I think Texas Tech had something like 55 home runs or something like that, and UT had 27. So the the power discrepancy is there. You're not this isn't Augie Ball. Uh, if you're gonna do it, you have to do it perfectly. I'd rather win games 10 to 7 uh than 1 to 0 just for my anxiety, though if we go and throw shutouts, that's okay too. Um I think there will be some speed on this team though. Kennedy and Alice bring back uh 26 stolen bases. I do think you see uh I think you see Zubia and Todd both kind of uh, bring some RBIs, 73 between them. So you have some experience and some guys who know how to, even on a bad batting hitting team, uh, turn them around the bases. They need to be better with runners in scoring position. And I do think Bryce Elder is a true, true ace. So you want to say, guys, all that told, we listened to 30 minutes of your analysis. What's the prediction? Here it is. This year, Texas bounces back with between 35 and 37 wins, returning to the NCAA tournament, making a strong showing in the Big 12 tournament, and finishing just outside um, the the top 25, maybe maybe 27. But I'm going to flex and say if they get a good end to the season, they could jump up to like number 23, get a Big 12 tournament run. You remember how this plays out, and then get a College World Series with some momentum behind them, especially if pitching is able to mature. But they're going to be there. You heard it here first. This year, they're back in the tournament. You're talking about the conference tournament? I'm joking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I definitely think they'll – I mean, if they don't make it into the conference tournament, I may drive down to Austin myself and have words with uh, with the coach. But I think it's a foregone conclusion. I really think that they have an opportunity to uh, – to get back where they need to be. All right, folks, and we're going to try out a new segment right here. Gerald, I've been torturing him. Gerald's a man who definitely watches baseball. He, he likes baseball. He loves the Longhorns, so he likes when they play baseball. I have been making him go deep on, on Longhorn baseball analysis, and now I told you, I teased it, I will give Gerald a chance to really flex his true muscles here. I am now, I didn't prepare him for this, I am now going to go down through the roster. I'm calling this section Spontaneous Nicknames with Gerald Goodrich. I am going to give him player names on the roster, which I unfortunately I'm sure he has studied at length, um, But and he will give me uh, the nickname that that player should have this year. No pressure, Gerald, but I think you could be real good at this. I'm excited. Let's do this. All right. I'm going to start right off the top. A guy we talked about, a guy we both love, number zero on the roster, number one in our hearts, Trey Faltine. Faltine, our stars. Ooh, I like it. I wasn't sure if you could get a Faltine cracker, but that's real, real good. All right. Now, this one, I'm just, I, 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 I'm liking it already. Number seven outfielder, freshman Douglas Hodo. I mean, you got to go Hodo, right? Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Hodo. Uh, Hodo the third, in fact, which is good. Cam Fields, a guy who's been around now as a junior, number eight, uh, strictly a pitcher. They still have him listed as an outfielder. Um, do you have anything for Cam Fields? I mean, other than kill a Cam, there's not much else you should go with with I'll, that, right? I'll take it. All right. Um, this one's tougher. I don't know what this name tells me. I just think he needs a nickname. I'll tell you it's from Decatur, Texas, if that helps at all. Number 13, we talked a lot about him. Junior, Bryce Elder. The Elder Statesman. Nice, good. Uh, and that's, that's you know, that is apropos with that pitching staff. Uh, junior, just talked about him. I'm ready to root for him, but maybe we should give him a nickname 
Murphy Staley. Staley or Lane. All right, we'll workshop it. That was um, terrible. That was not a good one. That's the worst one of the That's four. fair. That's fair. A freshman we're all dis- d- uh, excited about, as we mentioned from Humble, Texas, number 17, Andre Duplantier II. Oh, this one's tough because I want to make a Jesse Duplantis joke, but I don't want to offend people. Uh, so, uh, I mean, he's 6'2", 205, so Andre the Giant feels right. All right. I like it. I like it. And he'll probably keep growing in stature. Like I said, he throws 94 miles an hour. All right. We're now going to left-handed pitcher freshman out of Godly, Texas. Don't mispronounce it. It unfortunately is not pronounced like hummus. It's Chase Loomis. I know. You were yeah. banking on hummus. I know. Lo- Loomis, our religion. <laughs> um, we're scratching the bottom of the barrel. I was expecting four of these, and we're on six. Oh, we have plenty more to go. I'll skip Cam Constantine. Get You don't have to do that one. If you want Cole Quintanilla, I have it ready for you. But I'm going to move down to uh, Colby Kubacek. Anything for, for him? I want to make a Stanley Kubrick reference. Is what where my mind goes initially. It's not bad. Uh, probably never seen a Stanley, Stanley Kubrick film because the kid was born in, like, I don't know, 1990. So. <laughs> yeah, more, more topical for him might be Kuba Stank. The reason is you. Um, yeah, we're going to go now to just a name that I love. I don't know that this needs a nickname, but uh, at a Greenwood, Texas, sophomore right-handed pitcher, Dawson Merriman. It kind of writes itself, right? Like, you just call him Merriman. I, I think so. I, I think uh, if you remember Mike Jones um, playing Madden in your football, uh, in your uh, apartment in college, doing a very vicious, ever. very vicious lights out dance from Sean Merriman uh, in the NFL. I don't know if he gets a nickname, but if he does something good pitching, you can bet I'm going to do Sean Merriman's lights out. Cross your arms in an X as I just did and shake violently lights out. For all, for all six people that, that played Madden and drank Keystone with us in college. Kyle. Uh, shout out to to Mike, Joseph, uh, yeah, whoever. Sorry if I forgot you, Alex. Whoever's there, uh, Jordan. Anyways, uh, they all hopefully they all listen to this podcast. Koi Cobb. He's playing Koi. Kyle, I'm running out of steam, man. Okay, that's fair. I'm sorry. I'm not doing you any favors, but I am going to end it right here on the toss up of all toss ups. Gerald, right handed pitcher, sophomore out of Houston, Texas, number fifty one. Owen Meany. Did you ever read the book? No. Uh, there's a John Irving book called A Prayer for Owen Meany. Um, I don't know why I know that. I don't think I've ever read that book. I just happen to know a lot of book titles. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's a good book. Listeners, hit us in the replies of Texas if you've ever read A Prayer for Owen Meany and if you also plan to have a sign for, uh, for UT's uh, pitcher, Owen Meany. This went off the rails somewhere probably like 10 minutes ago of the first six nicknames i think is where we lost it i'll say this gerald we can edit it in post but more actually i'm going to go back to owen meany because the wikipedia page just gave me a gem tying it all together here today former los angeles lakers coach phil jackson passed out to the this book to his team uh in in part of his you know you've probably heard he passes out books to players but he has multiple times given a prayer for owen meany good to know yeah the triangle the triangle pitcher there we go that's <laughs> That's it. Gerald, sorry. That was mean. That was mean. You really thought you were getting like three, and you, you started with steam, and like the Texas baseball season last year, you petered out towards the end. But, hey, you're, you're 80% as most people's 120. So, bravo. Thank you. That's it 
for me. I appreciate it. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me trolling baseballamerica.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow uh, the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod and gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Also, follow at Government Cheese. <laughs>